a story about a woman I knew and a man I've read about who have families in heaven. I've had the honor and the fear of officiating at many funerals. Because of this, I've spent many nights thinking about how I would ever face the loss of my own family. These stories today are about great suffering turned into great victory. As I prepare this message, I am coming from the presence of the Lord, just as He first came into my living room over 40 years ago and called me into His presence for the first time. It is only by His touch that anyone can really walk on the hallowed ground of those who have fallen out of their bodies and into the world that awaits us. I'm Terry Hardigo with Life Journeys, preparing to take you along on a pathway that begins right where you are right now and ends in the unrestricted and eternal place of those who have died in Christ Jesus. I've often said that when you die as a believer, no one in heaven is going to come up to you and say, Oh, I see you're dead. If you are only born once, you're going to die twice. But if you're born twice, you're only going to die once. A lot of you know what that means. My daughter lost a co-worker and friend last week in a horrible accident that left four little children without a mother. Quite a few years ago, we had a family in church with two young children. They were such a sweet farm family that loved Jesus. We would often go out to their home in the evening and play music together. He was a great accordion player and guitar player, and I thumped away on the rhythm guitar. One day, they got the news that their son was killed in a traffic accident. Then, two years later, Liz's husband and daughter were killed by a drunk driver. They were the sweetest kids, and taken, it would seem, out of time. Liz came to deal with the loss of her entire family by making a commitment that their deaths would not be in vain. She forgave the driver. When he was released from prison, they began to travel the country together, speaking to high school assemblies about the dangers of drinking and driving. She was determined to turn tragedy in her family into a victory for so many others. Liz refused to become a victim and dishonor the memory of her household. Jacob had quite a different story. You can read about him as I did in Genesis. As you've perhaps recently heard here on Life Journeys, Jacob was called by God instead of his older brother Esau. Jacob would inherit the family birthright and blessing and become the patriarch and ruler of his family when his father Isaac died. He would carry the promise of Abraham, of salvation, through the generations that led to the birth of Christ. But he tried to hurry God along and deceived his brother. For it, he was banished from home for his safety and went to live with his uncle Laban. Now Jacob fell in love with Laban's daughter Rachel, and he was promised her hand in marriage, but he had to work for seven years for her first. Then on his wedding day, when the veil was lifted, he found out that he had been given Leah instead. Though justifiably angry, and unjustly treated, he agreed to work another seven years for his uncle in order to marry Rachel. But after the wedding, it was found out that Rachel could bear him no children. All the while, Laban would cheat Jacob over and over again in his caring for his flocks. But Jacob would always prosper. Interesting that 
Just as Jacob deceived his brother Esau, so he also was ill-treated for years. Now listen to this, especially in light of all the cries of injustice that we're hearing today. When God saw that Jacob kept trusting in him and refused to compromise and cry foul, he finally released Rachel to bear children, and then he led Jacob to leave his uncle and go back home. It had been many years of enduring injustice and hardship, but Jacob found the key to the blessing of God. All the while he was struggling against a very unfair hand that was dealt him, Jacob learned the secret of living by faith and character. What was happening through his life of miserable treatment was that he was fathering the twelve sons who would become the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, let's fast forward this story. The disciple John is taken up into heaven to receive what we call the book of Revelation. Among the sights are twenty-four elders encircling the throne of God. They are the twelve apostles and the twelve sons of Jacob. Just before Jacob died, he prayed, blessed, and prophesied over these sons of his. Now, here they are. As John sees them, their presence is now as a covenant manifestation of the faithfulness of God. If you've ever lost a child, I want you to listen. The sight of these twelve sons around the throne seems to say, See, I told you that they would be blessed, never forsaken and never forgotten. Even in all of Israel's disobedience, outright sin and unbelief, God says, I have kept them. Personally, now I see the faithfulness of God and hope for my children. Though one may even die out of time, that child still has the assurance of God's promises. That father has the peace of knowing that when his child falls out of her body, she will not be dead. There is a place around the throne for her. John sees the promise of sure victory that spans the millenniums of history itself. Then I see beyond what John knew. There's the Holocaust, its memorials in Jerusalem, its historic remnants in Poland and Germany, and its citizens' stories around the globe. Never again, they say. But it is coming again. And yet, here is the place of the reconciliation of all things. The suffering will be eternally transformed in this scene. What glory this scene provides us, once we simply lay aside the questions not meant to be answered. Listen, there has always been a demonic spirit bent on destroying the people of God, but it shall never be so. Each one of you who has faced an injustice in this world, a tragic loss of life, or a seeming futile existence, your faith will be rewarded one day far beyond what you can imagine. Though there be lives who seem crushed, no earthly death in the Lord will ever be in vain. Even though your children may seem to be wandering, your prayers will move heaven and earth for them. Jacob and Liz's lives are both testimonies to a God who has plans that are far, far greater than you could imagine. Though you may not see them, you can see God. <laughs>